Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Hey, thanks for being here. This is the Osher Ginsberg podcast. Hello, I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is a weekly conversation with someone that I find truly inspiring and will hopefully leave you truly inspired as well. My goal on this show is to talk with guests that have a great story to tell, guests who have achieved something remarkable in their lives. Through their story, hopefully get inspired myself, perhaps inspire you too. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you to everybody that tweeted out about the episode with Michelle Laurie last week. That was fantastic. The feedback from that was just so, so great. Thank you very, very much. If you feel it's for you, if you like this show and you want to give back in any shape or form, if you feel like you could, please tweet out a link to this show. Just however you do it, pick up your phone, whatever you're listening to this on, click share and tweet out. Um, tweet out a link to the show or send it to someone on Facebook or, or whatever. Just let them know. Let someone know that, that you're listening and that they might be interested in it as well. Please, if you could, this week, thank you to everybody uh, who rated the show on iTunes. That means an enormous amount, the, the way that iTunes works, uh, along with the downloads they go by who rates it and who writes comments. So thank you so much to the people that added comments this week. That's very, very sweet of you. And um, I'm really grateful. It's always lovely to read when people write, I don't know who the people are, but I really love listening to it because that's exactly what I love about this show is that you may not know by name the people that I'm interviewing, but I'm sure that through their story that you could, at least by now you've got that. If I've got someone on the show, they've got a story to tell and I'm really grateful, very grateful that, that you're around to listen to it. So thank you. Thank you all so, so, so much. It really means a lot to me that you're even here. Um, as I say every week, I love doing this show. Um, it's one of the best things I've ever done in my career. It's great. I love it. So, thank you. Um, 
my guest this week is a very, very interesting young man by the name of Shane Janik. You may know Shane as his alter ego, Courtney Act. Courtney Act is a drag queen, possibly one of the most famous drag queens in Australia. Courtney Act has been living in America for, well, Shane and Courtney have both been in America for uh, quite a while now. I think he's been living here for at least two years. Um, so we get into the gender neutral pronouns later in the show, but at this point, uh, Shane is who I'm, I'm interviewing him as Shane, and he was very, very gracious that we could do the interview as Shane, and we talk about Courtney and what it is when he becomes Courtney. So Shane's been living here for a while, and Courtney Act is about to burst into the world as part of season six on RuPaul's Drag Race, which is essentially Australian Idol or American Idol for drag. It is the biggest show in the world as far as a drag performer is concerned, and I am giddily excited for what's going to happen to his career and also that he gets to be with Ru, and we'll talk about that a little later in the show. But we go really deep on this one, really deep. If you've wondered, ever wondered about how sexuality and gender identity play into someone who is a drag queen or transgender or transsexual or transvestite, boy, oh boy, we talk about it all on this show. I'm going to tell you right now, we have a very frank and very open and sometimes very graphic discussion about sex, sexuality genitalia, penises and vaginas. Um, there's a very graphic description. It's not salacious. It's just a graphic description of how he does the tuck and much more. So I'm just letting you know that that's on the way. Okay. Um, we're adults. We're talking about some facts of what goes on. And Bless him, because he's got a he's got a one man show coming up, twenty fifth of February at the Sydney Opera House. If you're down in Australia for Mardi Gras, go check it out. Um, he's doing his one man show, Boys Like Me, not Boys Like Me, but Boys Like Me. Well, Courtney's doing the one man show, one woman show. Oh, get the gender neutral pronouns. I really got to get used to it. Uh, I apologise. And so, if you can get tickets, go get tickets. You can find Courtney on Twitter at Courtney Act, uh, which in Australian is like Court in the Act, uh, Court. Act C O U R T N E Y A C T. Let her know you heard her here on this show. Um, I'm just really grateful you're here. Enjoy this. If you've ever wondered what, because he's a very interesting man. He's a very interesting man, and, and he talks about this a lot. And there's a lot of shades between black and white. Nothing's polarized. Nothing's gay or straight. Nothing's day or night. There's the hazy periods between the two. There's the hazy periods between wake and sleep. There's the bit where you finished a meal, be like, oh, am I still hungry? Nothing is absolute in this world, unless you're in binary code. Nothing in this world is absolute. And more and more through this discussion that you hear Shane and I have, he talks about that, particularly around sex and sexuality. I cannot thank him enough for being so open and gracious with discussing, discussing his his relationship to his sexuality. Um, he was very, very open and very honest and I couldn't be more grateful because we won't do it in any kind of exploitative manner. We were just being quite honest and, and I really hope that by listening to this, um, you get a better understanding of what it is um, to not be a heterosexual person in a world that is aligned to heterosexual people. You know, I, I get a different version of the world than people like, uh, people like Shane get. 
And for me, it was really fascinating listening, particularly listening to how he describes men relating to him when he's Shane and exactly the same men relating to him when he's Courtney. Really fascinating. Really fascinating stuff. Once again, you can find him on Twitter at Courtney Act, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y. Let's do this. This is really great. We talk about some deep, deep stuff here. Strap in, take a breath. We're going to explore the amazing view of the world that this man has as he walks through it as a very pretty woman. I'm old, so I wear glasses now. How old are you now? I was thinking about that on the drive here. Do you want to guess? Well, in my head, you've always been like the same age, just like this eternally like 30-ish. But you're obviously, must be older because now I'm about to turn 32 and you always seemed like a mature adult compared to me when I was 21. I am... I'd say you're 35, but I'm guessing you have to be older than I that. I am. On the 29th of March, I'll be 40. Wow. Yeah. How exciting. So awesome. I apologize. I'm, I'm cultivating lung butter. <laughs> and also apologize to everyone who tweeted in going they dislike the sipping of tea. Oh. They say it's a little too slurpy. Oh. If this podcast is anything, it's too slurpy. If you could sip your tea a little bit less slurpy. Just off the mic. If you're going to yeah. sip tea, just off mic. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. Shane Jenick, here we are. Hi. I'm so happy to see you. This is like, what year are we in? 2014. 14. 14 years later. Because we, uh, we started at Channel V on By Demand, or was it before that? I have vague memories. Did I meet you? In Brisbane? Did I meet you when I was going to see your dad? I don't know if you did, but I, I don't know. Because, okay, so yeah, we are both from Brisbane. Yes. We're both a long way from home. Yes. And we're both aliens of extraordinary ability. <laughs> that we are. Which is pretty exciting. Yeah. It's a ridiculous every, name for a visa. But. Every, time I, every time I meet a, uh, an American, I'm like, I'd just like to thank you as a voting American uh, for giving me a green card yeah. because you voted for the government that did so. In fact, it was the last government that did so. So when I meet Republicans, I'm like, hey, thanks, because George Bush gave me a green card. Wow. He did, um, he did one thing right. I gave me a green card. <laughs> so, yeah, your father was the first naturopath I ever went to go see. Ah. Gilberto. Gilberto Jenick, Gil. or Jenick, as he's known. Gilberto Jenick with yeah. a pony. Do you still have the ponytail? He doesn't have the ponytail, but he still has the massive moustache. Brilliant moustache. Movember yeah. all year round. Yeah. He looks like a lost member of the village people. Or, it's, or one of the guys in the back of Steely Dan. <laughs> Just the dude up the back. One of the extra guitars back in the day when you could afford an extra guitar. Um, and so I'm just really happy. And then I think we started working. You came to work at Channel V um, as an intern, I think. Yeah, I was 18 and I auditioned for the reporter search that James and Yumi got. Uh-huh. And then I got offered a role as a production assistant right. on By Demand. And I was, I don't know if I was the worst production assistant ever, but I do remember I was 18 and discovering myself. In Sydney. In Sydney. And, <laughs> and the bus that I caught home to Piermont went down Oxford Street. Uh-huh. And I usually never made it home. I would try and work out creative ways to alter my outfit to make it look like I'd been home the night before when I'd come into work the next day. <laughs> now, um, I'd like to talk to you about a lot today. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly the fact that you're on the cusp of world domination as you're a part of season six of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's true. As Courtney Act. Yeah. 
which uh, if people haven't figured it out yet, hi, this is Shane Jenick, who's also Courtney Act. A.K.A. Courtney Act. Courtney Act, the most beautiful boy in the world. <laughs> um, and so I want to talk to you about that. And uh, we should probably talk about that because I, I, I don't know. Do I, I, I should ask this. I don't drink anymore. Do I owe you an amends for that time of my life? Because like, no, I remember no. having some pretty fucking massive nights with you. <laughs> yeah. In fact, one of the most weird nights of my life was with you. I know the exact night. I don't know if we can even about. talk about that. <laughs> Can we even talk about well, it? Well, it was it was brought up again in the Telegraph just today. Oh, was it? Yeah, because if it's the night you're talking about. It is the night I'm talking about. There were armed guards involved. She wore a dress just this week that I wore in a fashion parade in Los Angeles. So there was a who wore it better, Paris Hilton or Courtney Act. <laughs> Earlier, later that morning, night was the infamous Milsey making mm. out with Paris photograph. That was also the night that I met the man who introduced me to the woman I would marry. Yeah. Wow. That man who was her publicist at the time introduced my ex-wife and I. Wow. It was quite a... That was quite a night. Quite a night. What was the name of that nightclub we were at? It's a hair salon now. It's above Taylor Square. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um... We're all here now, <laughs> drinking tea, very civilized in Venice Beach. Ten fingers, ten toes. Well, I'm very, 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 very grateful that you can be here because I, I think like a lot of people would see someone who does your job. You're a professional drag queen. Yeah. Uh, gender illusionist. Yeah. I don't know other ways that you would define what you do. You're an entertainer. Yeah. You're a cabaret singer. Uh, you're uncommon in what you do and that you actually sing when you sing. You mm -hmm. don't lip sync. Mm -hmm. um, and you put on not just shows, not, but like gigantor productions and one-man, woman shows. Um, so this, this might be the first time a lot of people have heard the story of someone who is a drag queen but not in drag and how that kind of – because people might just put it all in one box. Yeah. Like there's a big difference between you and Eddie Izzard and blokes on the footy show making a sketch. They're all men in dresses. Yes. But they're three very, very different things. Yeah. So, um, if it's okay with you, could we – I hope it doesn't sound too pedestrian – if we could maybe talk people through that. Yeah, we can. Because, you know, it's funny because I've got a lot of big boxes in my head where I put people in categories. And so, I think that anytime somebody has the opportunity to sort of – pull out a big box and, and maybe delve into smaller compartments. It's a, it's a cool opportunity in, in any instance. Right. So let's, let's, let's cut. Well, let's get to the first part. I'm one of four boys. Mm -hmm. All right. And as often happens with many boys in a family, thanks to the scientifically proven fraternal birth order effect, mm -hmm. look it up. It states that each additional older brother increases the odds of homosexuality by 33%. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my brothers is gay. Mm -hmm. I love him to death. I yep. love his boyfriend to death. He crushes at life. He destroys, <laughs> destroys in his career. And... Um, also, having the fact that I went to an all-boys school, there's a gay men in my life. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of gay men in my life. So, watching my brother grow up and, and, and watching my friends grow up with it, when did you know? Um, you know what? I didn't really know until I turned, until I moved to Sydney when I was 18. It's now looking back, I, I guess I knew earlier, but I never acknowledged it until I was 18. Because in high school, the only thing that I had to associate who I was was like faggot and poofta. And there always seemed to be something not right about that. Jeez, I haven't heard those words in forever. <laughs> no. Living here, you just don't hear those words. No. And the thing was is that I didn't... Get over it. It's just a joke. It's just Australia. Yeah. Get over it. You poofed her. Get over it. Just having fun. Just fun. <laughs> no, it's bullying. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing was is that I didn't, I didn't feel like there was anything wrong with who I was. 
and those names seemed to have something wrong with them. And so I didn't really associate those names with me until I was 18. I could, it could have very well been you who suggested that I pick up a copy of the Sydney Star Observer. Really? The gay newspaper. I remember like... I remember you telling me about it, and I was like, God, that Andrew, he's so worldly. Because, of course, you were Andrew I was Andrew then. back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and one of my friends took me to the Stonewall Hotel, oh, and yeah. I just, it all made sense. Uh, yeah, my neighbours are renovating. <laughs> Thanks, so, neighbours. Yeah. Um, and I just remember standing there on the second level, looking around, and I was like, ah, oh, this is what gay is. Gay isn't faggot. It's... Lots of like-minded people. I mean, that was one small section of gay. A lot of gay men in a nightclub listening to Kylie. Um, but there was just something that seemed a lot more comfortable and, and familiar with well, that it, type of gay. That's when Light Years came out. I mean, yeah. if there's ever a time to come out, it's when Light Years was right. on the charts. It's a great record. I think it forced a lot of people out. They just yeah, couldn't those, help but dance. It's the gold pants. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Gay Skate every Tuesday at Petersham <laughs> at the time. Like, it was me and 200 gay men roller skating to oh. Kylie Minogue's Light Years. It was oh. brilliant. I loved it. Well, we'll talk about... Your we'll childhood talk, crush on Kylie. Uh, yeah. We'll talk, we'll talk about... We'll talk about... Um, uh, me uh, later uh, but um, well so look a lot of people that like, have early explorations into their sexuality I mean I knew fairly early that I was straight I've talked about this before it was I was watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show and <laughs> at the same I was eight and at the same time as being just aghast and just so turned on by Tim Curry mm-hmm. as Frankenfurter when I saw Susan Sarandon's boob pop out in the pool scene, I was like, oh, there it is. But I still think Tim Curry is so hot in that movie. In that movie. Yeah, and ever since then, I've kind of always had that in my sexuality. Like, that kind of thing has always been there. Yeah. Um, doesn't arouse me. I'm not really going to act on it. No, but, but it's, it's just... There. That's the thing. I think with sexuality, it really isn't binary. And I think that's one of the, the sort of the, the greater issues is that people tend to you know, put things, polarise things. Mm. And for me, like, I've I've always thought women, you know, when I was younger, I guess I I thought, like, Fran Drescher, she was my idol. I thought she was gorgeous and I thought that I wanted to, to marry her. I just wanted to be her, it turns out. Uh. But I do, you know, I still find women attractive. I've been intimate with women as recently as last year. Goodness, man. Um, and it's it's just kind of like this sort of spectrum, I think. And I think that a lot of straight men, um, when they have any thought like, oh, doesn't Tim Curry look hot? They're like, oh, God. Like, turn it off. Yeah. Turn like it a light switch. Exactly. It goes click. <laughs> and I think that- Book of Mormon, gets, look it up. It gets bottled <laughs> up. And I think if you're able to go, actually, you know what? Tim Curry is hot. I don't want to race out and have sex with the man, but I'm able to acknowledge that Tim yeah. Curry's hot. And I think that's, I think that if more- Straight men took your approach, Osha, that the world would be a better place. Well, so you, you talked about, you know, because it was quite clear clear cut for me. Mm. So it sounds like it wasn't so clear cut for you if 18 was around. Because I, I was, you know, had girlfriends from when I was 14 and 15 and kind of fooling around, um, and, you know, backyards at house parties. Yeah. Um, That's where I lost my virginity. Hands down pants, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, only like second and third base. But, you know, it's... It was fairly clear cut for me, but I, you know, I know it's not the same for everyone. Yeah. I, I mean, I just didn't, I had girlfriends in high school and I 
When I came out, I think a lot of gay men call themselves bisexual. By now, gay later. Um, <laughs> but all those jokes will work on me, no matter how many times you tell them. <laughs> um, and I'm definitely, you know, a gay man, and I'm very gay, and I could sleep with every woman left on the planet, and I would still be a flaming homosexual. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I kind of. I kind of have, I guess, a more liberal view of of gender and of sexuality, and and yeah. and try to have that approach with all things. Because I do get, I mean, sometimes when my gay mates, sometimes I get a little confronted, particularly when, and I know you know what I'm talking about, when some gay guys they talk about vaginas as if they were roadkill. Mm-hmm. Ugh, ugh, oh, disgusting! Get it away from me! It's repulsive. Bleh. I was like. Really? Do you have to be so hating? It's just a vagina. It's just a vagina. It's just kind of looks different to a penis. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different, therefore I don't like it. Ah, it works both ways. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, both like Supernaut. Uh, that's a very, very obscure Australian rock and roll reference. Well, see, at least if a man is talking about a penis, at least he's got one. Yeah. So it's like for a gay man, it's like so unfamiliar like some yeah. gay men are so gay that they were cesareans and they Whoa. just refuse to go anywhere near a vagina and i right. think they're the ones who are like ah! but at least if it's a straight man talking about penis he's got one of his own yeah but i don't know is it is it gross for straight men to talk about penises oh i know that i'm different yeah. and so let me, i used to live with a gay guy yeah. and once we just started watching gay porn, not just to be, I was like, I'd like to see some. That's kind of interesting. He's like, yeah. all right. Just like I've watched straight porn. And it was, um, what's his name? Beale Stryker was his name? Jeff Stryker. Jeff Stryker. That was it. And it was as if all the penises were carved out of marble by Michelangelo himself. I mean, mine's weird. It turns left. It's kind of got, I'm uncircumcised. It looks strange. These penises were like, oh, if you 3D printed a, a like the ideal, it would be that. Yeah. It just this this towering testament to perfect form. It's like right, I get it. Like it's not for me, but I get it. Well, I think you know how like women have these body issues created by beauty magazines. I think men have penis issues created by gay porn because the men in gay. I don't actually watch a lot of gay porn. I just hosted the gay porn awards, the Cyber Sockets, on Wednesday night, which was interesting. I love you. <laughs> Um, but I, yeah, this like, yeah, men in gay porn, it's kind of like you, it's, it's like that line from the sunscreen song, do not read beauty magazines. They will only make you feel ugly. <laughs> do not watch gay porn. They will only make you feel emasculated. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, at what point, and I'm sure every guy at some point in his life put on his mom's clothes or yeah. just fooled around at what point, you know, with, with. You know, or his sister's clothes. Like as a kid, yeah, innocently. Or the curtains, draping yeah. the curtains. <clears throat> At what point did you go? Did you take it one step further? When did you first do that? Well, I remember a couple of occurrences in my childhood. Dressing up, I remember going to a party as Wonder Woman. Um, I ins- it was like a come as a letter party, like, and I was like, "Can I please be the letter W? Because I want to go as Wonder Woman." And I used to be in, like, at the fame agency in Brisbane. It was a, a talent agency across the road from your former It was home the B-all and end-all. In Brisbane, it was the CAA of, <laughs> of talent agencies. Like, if you get into the fame academy or the agency, you were in. And we, so I was always dressing up 
as a kid in these shows and things. And then when I moved to Sydney, I had this business idea to go around nightclubs with a neck tray selling chewing gum and chopper chops and glow sticks. And, um, and I approached some clubs about it and they liked the idea, but they wanted a drag queen to do it. And I couldn't afford to pay one. And I had proclivities towards drag, let's be honest. And I used that as a, a gateway into the world of drag. Right. And yeah, I started then doing like drag shows and then started singing live. And then yeah. like maybe a month after I started singing live was when Australian Idol happened. And uh. then there was no turning back. Yeah. So were there any, who, ha, what name did Courtney Act beat out? Originally, I wanted to be called Ginger Lebon. Because in my head, I don't know why, I wanted to be this like, like raspy voiced, like smoky, redheaded, shag cut, like bar singer. She was like, she were, she she never quite made it. There was a song, Pearl's a Singer by Libra and Stola, which I saw in the Smoky Joe's Cafe musical. And there was, she, this woman just sang this song and I loved her and I loved it so much that I think that at that moment, that's who I wanted to be. Um, and then my friend Vanity was like, you can't be called Ginger Lebon. Like, you've got to be something cute and girly like Courtney. And I was like, oh. Courtney. It was a girl when I was little that I didn't like and her name was Courtney. And then as I said it slowly, I was like, Courtney, caught in the, caught in the act. And it just stuck. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, Americans can't understand it. I have to really explain myself. Right. Yeah. We don't say, I think it was Tom Ballard who said, we don't even say the letter R when we say the letter R. No. So when they say, it sounds all right when we say it, but when they say it, they put the R in it. Yeah. And yeah. it ruins everything. Well, they say caught as in i caught the robber yeah and they say court yeah. me so except in boston they 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 have more harsh a's so it's like cottony act in boston it right. works that's it you'll be that's pacific you'll be the like atlantic yeah. northeast yeah it's <laughs> harsh it. winters and you, <laughs> you don't have to explain your name twice no you can move there, move there move there move there immediately um so i used to back in the day in Brisbane, I used to actually uh, quite actively, I shopped for women's clothes um, because they were the only places I could get rad PVC pants. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, because I was playing in bands and I was kind of into that thing at the time. Um, it's always tricky when the flies are around the other way. It's tricky the first time. I don't know if I've ever, ever noticed that. Oh. I know the buttons around the other way. That's confusing. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so when I saw Paris is Burning, I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> buttons backwards. Yeah. <laughs> It's really weird. So, do you, re do you remember the first time that you went you went, went shopping or were you bespoke from, from the word dot? Were you, I'm making my own costumes from straight up? No, the first time I went shopping, I think it was, it was, it was the, the night that Courtney debuted, which was, ooh, it was the night that Courtney debuted, which was New Year's Eve 2000, 2001 in Melbourne. We were going to a party down there called Magnitude and I, I don't remember, maybe it was like Supre or Dotty. Or ice. It could have even been ice. Um, I bought these two sequined boob tubes, which I wore as a skirt and top. Excellent. Um, and, you know, I went jewellery shopping. I bought a wig from some shop in Melbourne. And I went to the Napoleon Purtis uh, store and got my makeup done, which I... Look, it was... 14 years ago, the uh, the art of eyebrow waxing was not well known at Napoleon Purtis. And when I walked out of the store, my eyebrows literally cracked and fell off my face. So I wore sunglasses the whole night. But I was convinced that I looked like Kylie Minogue. Yeah. And 
just had the time of my life. And when you're in, when you put her on, when you become Courtney, yeah. what's the psychological effect? Can you help people understand what it is to, like, it's not like I'm going to a costume party, is it? No. It's funny, you know, just recently um, I've, I said something about, like, being her, like when you said when you become Courtney, and it made me think of uh, my week with Marilyn mm-hmm. when she says, should I be her now? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like that. It's not contrived at all. It's completely natural. And it's funny because I never thought about it. And over the years, I've been asked questions about it. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just Courtney. Like, I just, it's still me, but it's an extension of who I am. Mm. And then a lot of people, particularly straight men, um, tend to sort of compartmentalize, I think. And they're like, no, no, Courtney's a girl. Shane's a boy. And and so it sort of makes it okay if they like Courtney because they're not acknowledging that she's a a man. Mm. Um, But... For me, Courtney just feels like putting on any outfit. I guess putting on your work uniform. If you're a, a police officer and you go to work, it's still you, but it's you with this level of authority and respect and and responsibility. Um, and Courtney feels like that to me. And it's it, it's something that I can't not do. It's not like a it's not like a job in that respect. It's like my passion and. Over the years, it's just been so cool the way it's become such an important part of my life. It's probably one of the most important parts of my life um, because it's it is well it is my life. I live and breathe Courtney. I'm so passionate about mm. entertainment and performance, and also you know the message that it brings. Um, just you know by virtue of being Courtney Act, without having to say anything, people are often being forced to think differently, which. I have always found amazing that I that I can have that influence. So, when would you uh, let's let's because I hear you, I'm a massive fan of Eddie Izzard, mm-hmm. massive, and he calls mm-hmm. he he makes the joke that he's the executive transvestite. <laughs> uh, he's a straight man who feels more comfortable when he's wearing women's clothing. The concept of clothing, the firstly, the concept of clothing is kind of odd. I'm in theory, against clothing for modesty. Mm-hmm. I haven't quite made it yet. I try at Burning Man. I got on my bike and I rode naked uh, as far as I could and then I had to put clothes back on. Um, but that's not the point. The point is that the, the concept of gendered clothing, if you really think about it, that's the weird thing. To say that a man should wear pants and that a woman should wear a dress, if you step back, it doesn't make any sense. It's like... It's like, uh, and so then, and then in in this world where it's kind of like, oh, men, a man shouldn't wear women's clothes. That's really weird. And I'm like, no, it's weird that you think a man should wear man's clothes and that a woman should wear women's clothes. Yeah, like women have totally been. Women wear pieces of fabric where their legs go in two holes and they look like trousers that men wear for years now. Yeah. But unless you know you're in Scotland in a kilt or at Paris Fashion Week a few years ago, yeah. As a man, you can't wear no skirt. No, and. It doesn't make sense. I think it's got a lot to do with, and it's not, you know, growing up, I was always, I always felt the pressures of, of heterosexual society. And I don't think that's just a gay thing. I think that all men and probably all women feel a pressure to be, to live up to a standard that society sort of sets. I think all men are like trying to like be a man, like you play football and especially, you know, our Australian culture. And there's somehow along the way, being a woman or 
women became like a a, a lesser thing, mm. and so I guess there's that quote from that poem is a concrete something about for a man to look like a that Madonna used in her her song um, for a man to, for a man for a girl to dress like a man I'm paraphrasing is fine but for a for a man to dress like a girl is degrading because you think that being a girl is degrading uh-huh. and it's interesting I don't know where it comes from but like you know if you want to wear a skirt and wear a like wear whatever you want like, yeah. who cares what what gender it I've been known to. to like on leaving the house I've, I've been known to grab a significant other's you know scarf or a, yeah. you know a, a sweater or a t-shirt of I mean, initially a bit weird isn't they, it they think it's a bit weird I'm down with it because it I like it <laughs> but it doesn't I you know I'm still like I said, I'm a very comfortably straight man yeah but <clears throat> I have struggled with the alpha male thing that you spoke of I'm, I make a terrible alpha male I've been trying to explore it in recent years and I'm yeah, I just remember telling him about this to Yumi. I'm like, I'm like the bumbling gangster who gets handed the gun at the very emergency <laughs> moment and he's never touched the gun before. And I'm like, Whoa! and I shoot myself in the foot to make everything bad. <laughs> I'm just trying my best. Oh, it's just, it's terrible. So, so does that make you, because there's many, many different things. There's, there's, there's transgender, there's mm-hmm. transsexual, there's pre-op, there's post-op. Where does, where does Courtney fit into everything? And, and, because you're not the kind of man. I'm like, here you are sitting in my house. You're wearing a fabulous short sleeve shirt. You're wearing a pair of uh, denim sh- uh, shorts. You turn up here with a great ca- is it cardigan? A little, 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 little jumper. But you don't hang out in, at home in girls' clothes to feel better. No. But some men do. Yes. They hang out at home alone. Thank God I'm home. Yeah. Or I know of men who will wear g- girls' underpants. Yeah. At work. At work underneath their men's clothes. Exactly. It's not that, is it? No. And the 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 thing about you know, like we were saying with sexuality, with gender and with gender identity, because there's, there's the gender you were born, there's the gender that you feel, there's your gender identity, there's all of these other, you know, terms and things like that. Um, for me, I've, I feel male. I am male. I enjoy being, I'd say a man, but that's probably overstating it, boy. Um, the oldest living twink is my <laughs> official... It's my official title oh. on the eve of my 32nd birthday. Oh, handsome. Um, but, yeah, I love being a boy. And it's funny because I have struggled with my gender identity over the years because so many people are like, you make such a pretty girl, you should be a girl. Which to some people seems like a, a valid justification. Mm. And then, thankfully, I think because I've had such a, a great parent base and, and, and support network, I've had the ability to think about you know, who I am and what that means to me. And I've realised that I'm very comfortable being a man. But being Courtney Act is still a part of who I am. And it's it's more than just a costume. It's kind of intrinsic to me. But I don't have any desire to be a woman, to live as a woman. I feel like I just, I straddle the gender divide. I get to be a boy and then I get to be as close to a girl as somebody who's not born a girl gets to be Mm. um, in some ways. And I don't know, I love having the both worlds. I love um, the observations that I get to make on how people 
relate to Shane and how they relate to Courtney. Dicko was a great example. Mm. Um, this is the, I'll just point it out, he was the Simon Cowell character in our version of, of, Idol. of Idol. Like there was Malaysian Idol and Pan-Arabic Idol. There was Australian Idol. Yeah. This is where uh, you and I worked together on, for the second time on television, um, when I was one of the hosts and you were a semi-finalist. Yeah, I was the 13th man. <clears throat> you were. And um, yeah, so Dicko was the Simon Cowell and he... It was always fascinating because he would he would fall over himself for Courtney and then be a little bit awkward with Shane. And I was probably the same because the power of a woman is something not to be underestimated. When uh, when you're standing there all dressed up, men are very visual creatures. The blood rushes from their brain to other parts of their body and they become a little bit dumber and a little bit easier to manipulate you would have the most remarkable perspective on yeah, that, i do on people changing their behavior yeah you. wow and and so it's just kind of like it's fascinating and i remember like dicko kind of like trying to like you know you need to tell us what you want and you will kind of like be in a boardroom and with shane and kind of like and i know that if i was in there as courtney i could read the back of a milk carton and he would just be like uh-huh but then as Shane, I always had trouble sort of like discussing and articulating um, myself. And it's just fascinating because it's literally like a little bit of makeup, a wig, some eyelashes, a bit of fabric. And it's completely, it's like one of the biggest opposites you can get. I think like gender is one of the first assumptions you make about a person when you meet them. Yeah. And to sort of fuck with that is kind of... Fascinating from my side. So, what's it like then? Because I often wonder, like, what's it like? And I'm, I, I don't know. Do you know anyone that's like post-op? Yeah, what? I have lots of transgendered friends. And how do they describe their experience? Um, well, for for again, it's different with every person. Um, this is a this is a man case. who is born and born biologically a man, but feels that they on the inside are a woman. So they go about different processes for changing their gender. There's hormone therapy. Hormone therapy, there's surgery, yeah. um, a lot of counseling. Um, and it's funny because there's this term post-op and pre-op. And, um, and now the term pre-op is frowned upon because there are some people who aren't op at all. They just want to be live as a woman but have male genitalia and, and they don't have an interest in having a sex change or gender reassignment but there's some people who do um and there's many different you know facets to the spectrum of of gender and um i have friends who you know are transgendered who you know have become women and who have become men Chaz bono um is one of my friends and he you know famously was born chastity bono to sunny and Cher, and now lives his life as Chaz bono and um he's like a wonderful lovely well-adjusted like human being who um i've become friends with since living in la um and it's just i don't know it's 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 interesting you know i used to i as close as i am to being that from the outside perspective i'm just as far away from it as anybody else mm. and i never used to get it up until as recently as like last year i used to think that trans people were like 
misunderstanding or like there was something like I've really tried hard and well like that everything sucks but it's going to be better once I have the surgery yeah. that's the thing that's going to make everything different yeah like some women with a boob job yeah everything's going to be great once I go to Thailand and get the new cans put in yeah heaven forbid they get back from Thailand same shitty job same shitty boyfriend still but, miserable but new cans but great tits great yeah uh, and this would be the horror show like if you got your penis removed Fuck. and put a you know a, a surgically created vagina you know, that's, that for me, like when I hear about this people, like folks who undergo the surgery, I almost think, I just think to myself like, oh dear, please God, make it like, be like the most sure about anything you've ever been sure about. Yeah. Because wherever you go, there you are and there you're going to be with, here you go, you've, you've taken it off. And as men, we have strong identifications with our penises and I love and enjoy my penis regularly as do i and i can't imagine not having it and and that's so what would it take for someone to go i gotta have this thing off my body you know it's interesting because a lot of um trans women that i know which is people who are born men and become women um thank you i'm glad to know that i didn't know what that was <laughs> yeah okay um a lot of trans women that i grew up with were showgirls and in the 70s one of my friends penny clifford who's a, a showgirl in sydney who's a post-operative transgendered woman um she told me that they were called lids live in drags in the 70s in sydney if you did drag you kind of just lived as a woman it was what you did it, the lay girls era mm. carlotta and uh, these were very famous showgirls and it was kind of socially acceptable to yeah. to go oh look as men dressed as women yeah we just won't talk about the my mum yeah. and dad went to the lay girls it was a it was a, a club in sydney like a dinner theater restaurant and watched this show of of uh of an all-male cast doing a female review mm. um so there was a lot of there was a time when people were sort of living as women getting taking hormones and and getting breasts because it was like a lifestyle as opposed to perhaps uh a psychological choice mm -hmm. um and Again, different spectrums. Like some, some of them were born women, men trapped in women's bodies. Some of them kind of just went along with it, which seems kind of horrifying, but I didn't interview for a like Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Like a, a, a sizzle reel for a TV show with Penny Clifford, my friend who's transgendered. And I was talking to her and, and by the end of it, I was like, you know what? As much as... There's something kind of shocking about her story, kind of like doing drag, 
becoming a, a you know living as a woman um who she is is who she is and she went through everything that she went through and and it's all an important part of of who she is and there was i kind of got this acceptance where i was like i don't need to judge your experience as right or wrong through my eyes because it's done and it mm. is and you can't argue with what is yeah all i can do is accept it as as she has accepted it and that was really powerful for me where i was like ah oh, like I just kind of accept you rather than needing to in, understand. In your experience, are, trans, are the trans women you know, do they seem happy? Um, interesting, because um, becoming friends with Chaz here in, in LA, I was talking... Who would be a trans man. Who is a trans man, correct. Um, I was talking about my experience with trans women, and he thought I was a little bit crazy for a moment, because all of the trans women I know are kind of on the showgirl drag queen side almost. They're not drag queens, they're you know transgendered women, but a lot of them came through the performance art mm -hmm. of drag and I was telling him stories and things and he was like he his the trans women that he know are completely different to the ones I know they're you know women who don't hang out on the gay scene they're not drag performers they they have you know jobs and careers and whatnot and and it's been really fascinating coming to learn about this whole different trans world mm. that's not a showgirl trans world that's just normal people living normal lives. Um, have a job at a call centre. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, wherever there's, there's, so yeah, there's, there's, it's, and it's fascinating for me to, at, you know, 30 something to, to keep. Good on you for being a gay man saying your name, your age out loud. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> Go for it. I say, I love that I've got grey in my beard. I love that I'm getting older. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's just gotten better and better. You know, yeah. they say it gets better. It really does. It really does. It really <laughs> does, does get better. For everyone. Yeah. I don't know. Every year has been a, a further evolution in my, in my understanding. And on the subject of trans issues, it's been a growth period just this year. Coming to, oh, the, sorry last year it's now next year yeah no it's 2014 yeah <laughs> so yeah i just love kind of expanding my mind as well and, and i think i saw a trans woman the other night performing actually at a nightclub in la mm -hmm. it was like a, it's this dance bar on santa monica boulevard and the, it's an offshoot of the box mm -hmm. uh, place, oh, called, yeah. place called dba yeah uh, i don't know do you know the person that works there she's a she's asian stunning stunning sure. stunning stunning pretty sure there's no boobs okay but there was no penis. Right. Well, see, this is the thing. And face of a man. There's the thing called the tuck. I had a jolly good look, my friend. I'll, look, you can't... So let's do this now, I because I need to ask. Talk to me about the tuck. Now, the tuck is... Now, I've... <clears throat> when we work together, I may or may not have, while you're on stage, stood behind you and gone, where did he put it? I'm Like, I'm looking, I'm looking on the monitor, I'm like... Oh, there's a lot of gaff involved. I could like what? There's like a you lot of gaff involved. You're wearing the tiniest, tiniest little little gusset. Yeah. Um. Uh. Over what I believe is very charmingly referred to as the box gap. Um, <laughs> thank you, Chris Lilly. Thank you, Chris Lilly. And no dick and balls. Yeah. When I was 18 and I went to the Albury Hotel in Sydney, a famous drag bar. May it rest in peace. It rest oh, I in used peace. to go twice a week sometimes. Yeah. I loved it. Midnight shows. Yeah. Oh, it was the best. Packed with backpackers oh, and people to come and see the, the drag shows. I was there and I remember looking at these obviously men with very garish makeup who in my mind had no penises because they had, like you could bounce a 
quarter off that tuck. Mm. And I was so shocked. I was like, oh, my God. Not that it's about being pretty and and... But at that stage, like I was 18, I was like, wow, that man has had his penis removed. And then as I learned, the tuck can be quite undetectable to the untrained eye. And I can, in fact, tape. I now, because a lot of drag queens wear pantyhose, like five pairs of pantyhose mm-hmm. and fishnets and things that like <sniffs> hold mm-hmm. it all in. That was my mouth, not a tea slip. Do you use the samurai method of like of pulling everything in? Yeah, I, you're, what happens is your testicles go up inside you which is where they go when you're scared or cold. Or, gentlemen, next time you're ejaculating, when you've done it, think of me and run your hand down to your crotch and you'll notice that your testicles have retreated up inside you. It happens to... Men are like, oh, no, that doesn't happen to me. But it does. God, your Australian accent's fantastic when you put it on. (laughs) Your straight man's brilliant. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, g'day, mate. Cheers. (laughs) Nah, you fucking... Nah, what are you talking about? Nah, fucking poofed us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so no, really. So you actually use this technique? Yeah, you, you your can. Testicles you can. Go up you can pull you. your balls inside. You? I can't. I can't. I have to use my fingers. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't do it with no hands. But you push them in. Yeah, I ju- they just kind of like pop up between your pelvic bone, bone and the skin, and and then you pull your penis between your legs. Mm-hmm. And if depends on what I'm wearing, I can just wear like a, a tight pair of underwear that a corrective underwear garment called a tucking g-string or a tucking gaff. But because I tend to wear a lot of skimpy outfits... Um, well, you do have a great set of legs. Thank you. You have great pins, mate. I, um, I use tape, and I've got it down to a fine art. I use some paper surgical tape to protect my sensitive areas. Yeah, and that adhesive can be nasty. Oh, yeah, like years of peeling it off. Trying to explain, you know, genital abrasions to a, a significant or insignificant other is quite challenging. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I use the paper tape, and then I use like um, leucoplast, like the thick flesh-coloured leucoplast, which they do not sell in America, and I have to buy in bulk when I go back to Australia, and sort of tape it all away. And I can stand in front of you with it all taped away, and my knees together, and I can even tape like a small crack into it. Quite often, it's slightly off centre, but people are like. People are often gay men, straight men, women. People are like when I when I get to that stage of my friendship where I reveal my tuck, they're always just entranced by it. What a great reveal! Yeah. What a great moment. So the the person I saw the other night, there were, I had it. They were wearing a perspex or, or a see through kind of perspex outfit, and. I was standing underneath them. Right. They were standing on the stage in front of me. You and could see their outer menorah. There was indeed uh, Labia Majora. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure who the person is. I'll have to ask who works there because I know some people. But there were, work pectoral, there. there were pectoral muscles and most definitely no female mammary glands. How interesting. Yeah. I've met someone like that. Again, just uh, I was back in Sydney in October and I met somebody whose name is Bambi. And Bambi doesn't identify as either gender. Wow. Bambi does have male genitals and a male chest, but presents more female and feminine, um, but has decided that she doesn't care to sort of have breasts or any other surgeries, but kind of is somewhere in between. And then there's this thing that I find, like, in my... Referring to you as Osha always takes like a moment where I'm like, Osha. That's right. There's 
there's a category of gender neutral pronouns, which is Z. Um, Z. Z. Like instead of he or she, you say Z. Um, and there's this like, there's a rabbit, there's a whole rabbit hole. Like the letter Z. Like Z E. Z E. So like Z. Z's getting ready. Z's getting ready. There's all V. It, there's, it's not. V's getting ready. V's getting ready. There's a, an entertainer, Justin Bond, who's a fabulous cabaret performer and political activist who uh, prefers non gender specific pronouns. And, and you refer to V as V. And it's, 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 it's challenging because I'm like, V is getting ready. Yeah. And it's just so fascinating that we're conditioned with our he's and our she's and whatnot. Yeah. That I have to like. Go. Well, for, here's the thing for the majority of the population, they're having a problem. Some people might be having a really confronting time listening to this. It's yeah. like when I tell people that I don't eat meat, it doesn't anywhere compare to what we're talking about as far as gravity socially. But a lot of people can't even conceive, like, what do you mean you don't eat meat? We all eat meat. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean you don't identify as a man or woman? We're all <laughs> identified as a man or woman. Like, to conceive that someone else's perception of themselves, of the world, of the world's sexuality is different. Um, but I see it with my brother. You know, I see how much it affects him when he has to modify his behavior in public when he, him and his boyfriend are out and about. And it, it bothers the shit out of me, you know. But, you know, that's kind of where our society is mm. at this point. They don't have to do it all the time. They're very out. They're very proud. I mean, you wouldn't even... They're just two very, very handsome, well-put-together dudes. Yeah. Well <coughs> who, accessorized. Who, pardon? Well accessorized. With a really tidy apartment and, and pebble watches and you know, <laughs> just restore vintage cars and brew their own beer. Yeah, they're those guys. I love the shit out of them. They're fucking awesome. Um, so, uh, well, thank you so much for, for talking about that. So, when you see the butt of the joke being a man in a dress, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? It's interesting because even for me, it's an easy icebreaker. And I've realized, though, that sometimes... Like, especially, like, depends on your audience. If you're talking to, like, Kyle Sanderlance on Australian radio, who's a, you know, who's a, a, an Australian heterosexual sort of uh, polarising. Come on, he's a big fan of the famous Australian basketballing family. Come on. <laughs> What's the big famous Australian basketballing family? The gays. Oh, right. Oh, basketballing, right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's very old. No, but, like, when I, like, I've done, I've done you know, chats with him and it's interesting because he, he'll start off the interview and he'll take the approach of his audience, which is often, oh, what, what the fuck's that? Um, and you kind of have to throw in a, a dick or ball gag here and there because some people are very uncomfortable at the topic. They don't know what they're allowed to talk about and what they're not. Mm. And so if you say, if you let people know that it's okay that we're, we're talking about this lightheartedly, mm. It puts them at ease. And so sometimes I'll do that in a show. I'll like, you know, g'day, how you going? Lower my voice when I'm talking up in my Courtney voice. Um, <laughs> and, but so often, you see it in television, film and television. Trans people, drag, gender bending characters are always prostitutes uh, or they're always murdered. They're always, like, yeah. they're, they're always some ill or harm comes to them. And I think that, uh, you know, there is, a, there is often... You know, gender is often used as the butt of a joke. And I don't know. It's kind of like racism, I guess. Yeah, because I remember watching the, was it Hangover 2 when they went to Thailand? Mm-hmm. That, that moment where it was, ha-ha, Ed Helms, you had sex with a man with boobs. Yeah. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. You're gay. Yeah. Like. And the, it's. It's like, come on, man. It can be funny, but I think that aside from the fact that it can be funny, there's things that are funnier. 
and there's there's more intelligent and more useful ways that we could laugh. Yeah, I guess because this is an interesting thing that, I, and this leads me to your show, uh, Boys Like Me. Mm-hmm. Boys like me. Boys like me. Depends mm-hmm. on how you say it. You'll February, never know. February twenty fifth in the Sydney Theatre as a part of the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. Did yeah. I say enough? Because I remember there was one year it was a Sydney Gay Lesbian bisexual, transgender, and intersex, intersex, and, and yeah, there was like LGBTQI. It was like, yeah. and I don't want to get it wrong. I want to be sure that I'm paying full respect to it it's, because it's, I've had some great times at Mardi Gras, yeah. brilliant times at Mardi Gras. That's yeah. one of the greatest parties you could ever go to in your yeah. life. And I'm very grateful that I've been accepted into that, you know, community. And, you know, obviously they want to keep those parties safe yeah. and a safe place yeah. for, 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 for gay people or, or alternative sexuality I don't know how you say it. It's now called the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. Uh-huh. But it, what's interesting is in the 90s, it was a, it was kind of like an exclusive thing. If you went to a Mardi Gras, you had to be a member. Yeah. You could only buy four tickets per member. And yeah, that's how I got people in. And yeah. whatnot. But now the, 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 the field has kind of changed. And I sense it that it's less segregationalist now mm. and that there's this place where gay and lesbian people and straight people, where all people kind of meet and where we're allies and we're friends and, and there's a growth in that. And so Mardi Gras now is less a an, as an important political statement as it is a celebration mm. of diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of pride festivals in the world, uh, in Montreal, it's called Diversité. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a gay and lesbian festival. It's a, it's a festival of diversity. In fact, just last year, the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras was the Sydney Mardi Gras. They got rid of the gay and lesbian huh? because they wanted to create this this it, this uh, party that was open for everybody, for everybody to celebrate diversity. Yeah, but it may have been a little premature. There was a lot of stink from from different parts of the it's community. This can be very political. It's very political, as in all things when there's you know minority and and political overtones because you know rights and being treated as a second class citizen and not a full member of society still very much exist. Yeah, and it kind of disgusts me that we're in this day and age and that still goes on. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that, you know... And rightly so. Rightly so. People should be pissed off and very, you know, if there's one thing that I'm protecting, it's this. And and fair enough. Yeah. I get it. It's fair enough. I think that sometimes it can create a lot of tension and frustration in your life when you're, you're you know, somebody's pushing against you and you're pushing back against them. And... It, it, to me, it and not in a kind of romantic sense we're talking, because that's sometimes nice. That's fun to push back. <laughs> um, and sometimes I feel like it's just who can push the hardest. Oh dear, how did that sorry, happen? I'm sorry. <laughs> that was me. That was me. Um, and I kind of think, God, we could. It's it's like you know building a bigger bomb. It's that kind yeah. of argument. And I kind of like to take the approach. I'm not going to participate in in this. He said, he said, she said, argument. She I'm, said, V said. V said, Let's argument. Let's not forget. <laughs> yes. Z said. Z said, V said, argument. I'm just going to use what I see when life kind of creates that contrast. And I'm like, well, to me, this isn't right. All people are equal mm. and people should be treated as such. I see that as kind of something fundamental. Um, but I look at, I use the examples of what I doesn't sort of agree with that. And rather than focusing on them, I kind of like to use that contrast, decide what I want, and face in the direction that I want to go, which I kind of feel is what Mardi Gras represents now. It's a celebration mm. of that diversity. And you're playing your, your one-woman man. One-woman show. One-performer show. Uh, you're playing your one-woman show, Boys Like Me. And I, I, as I was getting ready for this, I was like, well, it's his business. So I don't want to talk about it. But I'm like, oh, you've written a whole show about it. Yeah. So I want to talk about ask. it. Uh, 
you're in this, let me just preface this. If a man goes out with a woman and they're getting to know each other and it's like three weeks in and then she kind of says, I have to tell you something. Like two years ago in between boyfriends, I lived with a girl for six months. Guys would be like, and? Yet, if a man were to say, right, two years ago in between relationships, I lived with a man for six months, people would lose their minds. Yeah. Um, when you're Courtney, I'm imagining that you offer boys this... Stepping stone? Doorway, wardrobe into Narnia. You know, like it's just like it's safer to explore that when you are in drag. Yeah. And that must be... I mean, I've, it was a mate of mine who is a gay bloke. He hunted straight men like it was big game in Africa. If he could turn a straight boy, he, was, he would like put a trophy on his wall. It was like he's... That was his thing. Yeah. He loved it. Yeah. Um, but it must be fascinating. Like, what's, what's the reaction when, when boys come onto you in a club? When boys like me. Yeah, what's it like when boys like you? Um, it's and how soon do you say, by the way? By the way, BT dubs. <clears throat> yeah, BT dubs. Got a cock. Tucking. <laughs> There's a reveal later. <laughs> um, well, it's kind of fascinating because... And I think that the straight hunting sort of mentality that you talked about, I think for gay men that can come from when we're in high school and those those guys called us poofter and faggot. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that kind of that's in in your head. You have like this association with straight men. So when you can sleep with a straight man, it's like you're getting back at that guy that <laughs> called you a faggot. You're like now who's the faggot? Faggot. <laughs> I think I think there's some of that in there. Right. Um, it's like revenge on the straight man. Well, I get it. Um, I I don't have that sort of feeling so much, but I, I I dress up as a pretty lady, and and straight men find that attractive. Um, and as I said, straight men are very visual creatures. Men are very visual creatures. Um, and so. Again, there's men, there's all different spectrums. There's men who don't know that I'm not a woman and I have to tell them. There's men who do know that I'm not a woman and they don't really care. And there's men who seek out women who are not really women. Um, and I think, you know, there's been, there's been there I, tell story, I tell a story in my show about um, a Marine, a US Marine, um, who I met in line one night waiting for my car in Los Angeles in the valet queue. And we kind of fell in love in the space of what could have been two minutes, it could have been 20 minutes. Wow. It was like time stopped. And I didn't think about the fact that there was something different, different in parentheses about me, than that he may not know that. He met you as Courtney. He met me as Courtney and I was looking very fishy, as they say here in America, very girly. And we were talking and I just remember like just staring into each other's eyes, like feeling connected. Um, as, and I know that kind of sounds ridiculous. We're standing in line waiting for our cars, but there was like, it was like time stopped. Hey, we when you know, you know, I, I knew I was going to marry the woman that came my wife. I knew within five minutes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, it was just this kind of magical moment. And then we swapped numbers and I got into my car and I was like, ah, shit. I don't think he knows that I'm not a woman. 
what do I do? So I sent him a text saying, hey, just want to make sure you know I'm not a real girl, right? And I didn't get a response until 3.48 a.m., like a couple of hours later. And he was like, I don't understand, send a picture. And uh, he was following me home at this point, so that didn't happen. Um, and uh, I sent him a photo saying, sometimes I look like this with a photo of me that night. And sometimes I look like this with a photo of me as Shane, as a boy. And I never heard back from him. Uh-huh. And it was funny because it, was no, it wasn't a great love lost, but it was just funny that um, there was this connection between us mm. and there was this whole other world that I had forgotten about and he didn't know about that kind of needed to be discussed. Yeah. Um, and I... So nothing ever happened? You never heard from him again? Not with him, no. Uh. Um, but there are certainly boys, straight boys, who have been, the, the term, exclusively attracted to women or exclu- have exclusively been with women um, who I have had intimate relations with um, who... Yeah, they just kind of like again. It's different. There's some guys who, who you know, I've never found a guy attractive. I'm not attracted to guys, but I like you. Um, there's guys who I have had intimate relations with, as Courtney, who have then transferred to Shane. Um, there was one sort of like very alpha male looking and, and sort of guy who was um, a, a dancer in one of those male, you know. Shows like a, a he had he had he had man tearaway pants he had tearaway trousers tearaway trousers he had pants that could be removed at very quick but, notice yeah which was handy I'm sure they were <laughs> um, and yeah and we sort of we saw each other sort of you know a few times a month on and off we went on a date and and it was kind of strange for him and and but he kind of just went with it and that was kind of cool and actually in that instance. Um, I had a really interesting occurrence because I was the first time that he he sort of came over one Friday night and I was going to be a boy for the first time. I bumped into him when I was out of drag and I went up and said hello and he was kind of like shocked and then suggested catching up on Friday night and I was like, well, I'm not, not, gonna, not working on Friday night so I'm not going to be in drag. And he was like, that's okay. And I was like, okay, you know what that means. And so he was coming over on Friday night, and I think I was more nervous than he was because we, like, I was going to be a boy with this like straight guy, yeah. and normally that you know involves getting you know hit upside the head. <laughs> and I was in bed with him, and I was I was like feeling this need to be like macho and 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 masculine. And I realised in that moment that I had always felt the need to be masculine when I was in bed with guys as Shane, which is odd because I'm not particularly masculine, but in my head, guys were attracted to me because of my masculinity. And then I was like, well, this guy's never been with a guy. He doesn't need me to be masculine. Do I be feminine? That's kind of odd because I'm a man. I don't want to like... And in that moment, I was able to let go of all of this conditioning. And I, instead of being masculine or feminine, I was just able to be me. Wow. And it was probably one of it was this it was this one thing in my life that was kind of like this struggle with my own 
masculinity that um, that kind of broke through that night with this straight guy. And it's funny because, you know, it's it can sound sordid, but I think I, I, when you're when you kind of living with some sort of awareness all of the things that come into your life seem to have a purpose mm. and and this th there was kind of a really great breakthrough where i was i was able to just accept my own masculinity my own femininity and just be me mm. for the first time ever in the bedroom it was really cool wow good for you yeah that's great. See, that's the thing, man. When you have sex when you're like 18, 19, you know what, you know what's going on. No, no You've idea. seen it on the internet. You think that's how to do it. No. Yeah. It's, there's a lot more hand-holding and eye contact than people want. Yeah. <laughs> there really is. So I've never taken someone's virginity as far as I know. Mm -hmm. I'm 100% sure of that. Okay. Unless someone didn't tell me. Uh -huh. um, is there a level of respect that you have around when you're with a straight man who's never been with a gay man, never been with another man? You, do you like, don't worry, I'll hold your hand, it's going to be okay? Yeah, I mean, I certainly have a level of respect for it. I almost feel like I'm an ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> That's who you are. I kind of am. Yeah. I don't think everybody views it like that, but I feel that there is a certain level of respect. And to be honest, with great, with, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and it's not always a responsibility that I want to, to take. And so it's not, it is, it's, sometimes it can be, you know, a bit of a, a you know, quick passion in the corner when nobody's looking. Yeah. It can be something kind of spontaneous and frivolous. But if, if you're going to engage in, you know, sex or, or anything with someone who's been exclusively attracted to women, there's a lot of other stuff than just you know sex that goes along with it there's a lot of psychology mm. and it can become a little bit like your uh and it, you, you i'm always like the it's like a science experiment or a or it's always like them who's kind of like oh, testing out the waters and i'm kind of like holding their hand so it's not really something that is always that fun or enjoyable it kind of is almost like humanitarian work yeah, right. um but you know occasionally i'll meet a guy and it'll just kind of feel interesting and feel right and um and yeah and, and sometimes they may never be intimate with a guy again in their lives yeah. sometimes they may jump in and you know become a flaming homosexual mm. sometimes they might do a bit of little this a little bit of that and that for me is the fascinating thing about what I do is that the more I live my life, the more that I realize that everything is in fact shades of gray or colors of the rainbow or fractals of the kaleidoscope and that you can't put anything into a box. And that whole thing about to define is to limit and all of that becomes really apparent and really true um, the more I live my life. So uh, we've talked about the tuck. Yes. Uh, what else did I want to quickly, just like really obvious drag questions. When you're out, I vaguely recall having this conversation with you in the nightclub that we spoke about at the very start of the conversation. When you're out, which toilets do you use? I use the women's toilets when I'm dressed as Courtney. Anybody have a problem with that? No, I mean, I'd look, I think they'd have more of a problem if I was standing and pissing at the urinal as Courtney. Better still putting the tuck back together afterwards. Well... That's the, the mind boggles it. That's that. the first thing I think of. Like yeah. when you say you've got to tuck that amount of elastoplast going into it, <laughs> leucoplast, I'm like, man, if you're drinking, that's like a lot of ripping and tearing all it night is. long. And you know what? The drunk you get, the less, the more careless you get. 
and and My testicles just inserted themselves. Yeah, you just there said you go. That. Yeah. Just an auto tuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I yeah I go to the women's toilets because it just makes sense. Nobody's ever had an issue with it. No. Um, but you know I I'm one of I don't know whether you'd call it the lucky ones. I do present as a woman quite easily. Yeah, you do. There are some people who enjoy either doing drag or who are transgendered who don't present as a woman that easily. And the the purpose of it isn't to look like a woman. It's to, for drag, it's to have fun and to entertain. If you're a trans person, it's to feel comfortable. And and so some people are like, oh, you're so pretty. You're much prettier than those others. And I'm like, well, that's not, I, I get it, but that's not the point. It's The point is to, um, you know, do what you feel like it is you need to do. Yeah. Um, and so for a lot of people who don't necessarily look like women. I, I, I imagine that, you know, they have they have greater struggles going to the yeah, right. toilets, going to the... So the I'm really grateful that we're talking right now. We are running a bit out of time, but I'm mm. really grateful we're talking right now because you are on the cusp mm. of enormous greatness. There is a television show here in America, it airs in Australia as well, called RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. It's the sixth season mm-hmm. and you're going to be on it. I am. This is... It's, it's, it's like the voice for drag. It is. It's, it really is. It's exciting. And, you know, I've always been, uh, I've always loved entertaining and, and I've always loved doing it in drag. There's just so many more things. For me, as a man, you know, you can, male entertainers, Adam Lambert, Jake Shears, Liberace, Elton John, there's only so much you can do. But female performers, again, only so much you can do. But a drag performer, the possibilities are limitless. You can wear wigs, you can have any colour hair you want, you can... You can be pregnant. You can be fat. You can be. You can do whatever you want to your body and to your performance, and it's accepted. And to be on a show like Drag Race, where drag is so celebrated, mm-hmm. it's been liberating for me. RuPaul, who you know famously in the '90s had the song "Supermodel," was the face of Mac. You know, known all around the world, is so passionate about drag, and being there with Ru was really inspiring for me because I kind of fell in love with drag more through his love of drag and I realized that drag is this really cool amazing transformative thing and it has a lot of power to make people laugh to make people think um, and now being on drag race it's got such a cult following it's 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 kind of like being for the for for people of America like I've done shows in like McAllen, Texas and Mobile, Alabama and I'll go there and there's been times when there's been a drag race girl performing and it is like Britney Spears is in the house. Like the the crowds go wild for it. And it's really exciting for me who I've, you know, had this career for 14 years to now be at a place where there's this audience. I don't have to hustle as much anymore. Yeah, right. I get to do what I love to do and people will come and watch it. And it's so exciting to have that opportunity on such a big scale here in America. And the show is syndicated all around the world. Yeah. Um, and to just watch that slowly bubbling away, to see the teasers on television and, and to know that on February 25th, when I'm on stage in the Sydney Theatre, I will be being thrust into the lounge rooms of Americans. Um, it's on Bravo, right? On Logo. It's on Logo. Yeah, right. which is an MTV Viacom channel. It's their... It was their gay channel. Now it's known as yeah. Beyond Labels, I think it is. So where Rick and Steve were on? Uh, it could have been, God, yeah. I love Rick and Steve. Yeah. If you've not, just go on down. No, just find Rick and Steve. Find Watch Rick and Steve. Steve. It's brilliant. 
I watched, I watched that with my brother and his boyfriend, and it's just, <laughs> it's the greatest. It's the greatest. Uh, so, I guess the best thing, when I first heard you were on that, I just thought, not only are you so lucky because of that, but you are so lucky that you are with, in my opinion, you are get to work with, I'm sure it's all shot right now, right? It's all, everything's in the can, right? The whole thing, the whole season's shot. All but... All but the last episode. All but the last they're episode. They're really smart. They're like not we do with tell, Bachelor. They're all not but, tell all a group the, of drag queens who the winner is. All right, I love it. Yeah. All but the Bachelor. All but like the Bachelor. Yeah. We keep the last episode for the live one. But you get to work with, in my opinion, one of the. I think profit's a big word, but yeah. RuPaul is like the sun. He, <laughs> I've come to know him. I'm very grateful that uh, through a friend, I've come. To, I've come to know him. He's so wise, mm. and. He's so measured and so passionate, so compassionate, mm-hmm. and yeah. he's just got this life of like having, you know, it's, it's like the the story is like you know the the boys have come from Kansas mm-hmm. or the boys have come from Mobile, Alabama yeah. or whatever, and here they are, they're in West Hollywood. Come and I will show you the way. <laughs> it does get a whole lot better, yeah. and but just even as as a man, God damn, he's handsome. Yeah. And he only ever wears bespoke suits. Yes. He, you never see him in a T-shirt. Yeah. He, everything he wears is made handmade. Yeah. And he's so passionate and so together and just such a lovely, lovely, lovely man. And I'm sure being, just being around him must have been amazing. It was really cool. And I didn't, you know, when you have an experience, you think what it's going to be like. And then you get there and there's this whole other thing that you didn't even realize. Mm. Being around RuPaul, being in his aura. That's the only word for it. Yeah. It's like the room is warmer when he yeah. walks into it. It was just such a cool and probably one of my favourite parts of doing Drag Race. He, he, yeah, there's, he's just warm and charismatic and, and he does, he, you know, and as a man, he's so striking. Like yeah. you, you, and just, and it was cool because you see it on the television, but to be in the room and feel it. That was that was the difference for me, and to feel the truth and the honesty in in him was probably one of the, my most favorite parts of doing yeah. Drag Race, which was interesting because I didn't even think about that going into it. The spiritual change, yeah, that happens just by knowing this guy, yeah, and seeing him like you, you know I've seen it on the show in the past when he he has his moments and he just he gets real and he talks to everybody. One of my favorite moments. You know, when that happens, when that happened, um, it was just cool to stand there and feel his words. It, it sounds, it might sound absurd, but feel his words sort of go into me mm. and be inspired. And, and he said words that have pierced my heart. Mm-hmm. And I've just gone, <gasps> like yeah. Keanu at the end of the Matrix, going, what the? <gasps> what the wow. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I'm not. But you're not busting any NDA or anything by talking about this, are you? Like, um, no. you're being very careful about what you're yeah, saying definitely. and not saying. Okay, I just want to don't want to get you in yes. any trouble because obviously this shows most of us. Most of it's been shot. Um, but oh god, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I can't wait to. We have to go. Oh man! But this has been so. I'm just really, really happy that you're here and that you're doing that. And it's only because you've worked so tirelessly. It's only because you've worked so tirelessly. And whenever I've seen you perform, it's only in Sydney that I've seen you perform, I haven't seen you perform here, whenever I've seen you perform, what you do on stage is so far and above what other drag that I've seen. Because <clears throat> like I said, I got to Sydney just as 
the kind of golden era of Oxford Street was ending. Mm. And I got to see a lot of great drag mm. and I got to really dig it and mm. I got to see, ah, oh, right. And uh, it's not about being mean mm-hmm. on stage, which I have experienced at a nightclub in Darwin called mm-hmm. Rob. It's not about being mean. It's about, it's tearing someone to lash it to, to pieces with just a few sharp words. <laughs> that's what, you know, that's the brilliance of it. There's a brilliance in, I mean, in comedy, you know, and in drag, there's, there is that brilliance. I mean, for me, I've always been like the, the, the fun sort of friendly person. I, you know, I delved into that sort of, that style of drag when I first started. And I don't know whether I didn't do it properly, but sometimes I would, I would come off stage and I'd be like, I didn't end up feeling good after that. Everybody laughed, everybody else felt good, but I didn't feel good and neither did the person. And, um, and so I kind of decided to, to do, sort of try this other style of drag, which was like cabaret and entertainment and singing and telling stories because I love having the ability to tell my stories and to have people to listen. Right. You've been, I know we, we spent most of us talking about sex and sexuality, mm-hmm. which I'm really grateful for. <laughs> if you're like, thank you so much for being so open and so honest because this might be the first time a lot of people have heard the things we talked about yeah. discussed because it is such a... We don't know what they do, so we're afraid of it. Yeah. We kind of went down the rabbit hole as well. Like, we didn't just talk a little bit. Of, like, we talked about it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're on Twitter, fabulously. Yes. At Courtney Act. Correct. And uh, Instagram and Facebook. And- at Courtney Act on Instagram. Go and see Courtney. If you're in Sydney, if you can make your way to Sydney, the Sydney Theatre, February 25th, uh, watch Courtney on uh, Logo. Yes. On RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6. What is it? It's, it's got to be on Fox in Australia. It will it's be, be on, on Fox, Fox 8. on the Lifestyle. Lifestyle channel? Yeah, Lifestyle U. Lifestyle U. And other than that, um, I really, I read a blow about your show. You talk about being with straight twins. Now I'm going to have to see the show to you get will. that story. You will. <laughs> God, that'll be a great story. It is a great story. In Montreal, straight twins. <laughs> All right. Leave it there. <laughs> What are you, Gene Simmons? I love it. (laughs) All right, darling, I love you. I'm going to take your photo and then we're out of here. A Polaroid. Even. Thank you so much, darling. Thank you. You're a gem. Thank you so much for listening. Go find Courtney on Twitter. Let her know that you heard her here. At Courtney Act, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y. Let her know. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Um... And go see, uh, go see Courtney's show at the Sydney Opera House if you happen to be in Australia uh, on the 25th of February as a part of uh, Mardi Gras, the big Mardi Gras celebrations down there. And, of course, support Courtney through Season 6 of RuPaul's Drag Race, which will be all over the planet <laughs> on the 24th, 25th of February. Um, how very, very, very exciting. Good, good news. This is like, it's like the Olympics of drag, and I couldn't be couldn't be happier because he's as i just mentioned he's worked ever so hard ever so hard um thanks once again for listening if you like the show and it's for you if you could please tweet out a link to the show just pick up your phone or or whatever you're listening to this on or if you're listening to it in a browser just copy the url into a tweet or hit share on your your phone and just say you know that you're listening and that you dug it if you dug it Um, I don't mind if you don't. Let me know. Feedback's the breakfast of champions. So do let me know. Uh, Thank you for the people that wrote in about slurping the tea. You'll note that we didn't slurp the tea today. So thank you so much. Great guests coming up next week. Um, Thanks again for everybody that listened. Please subscribe and have an excellent week, whatever you're doing. 
Sleep well and dream of beautiful things, my friends. Have a great one. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.